Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. In the gym, nice bringing that intelligent perspective that takes you above the rim. From the PG, saw the whole court. Now he plays the sideline to observe a report, bringing nothing but fresh interviews while discussing high school, college, and NBA news. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. So sit back and listen, you will never forget because the Off the Glass podcast is coming up next. Welcome to the Off the Glass podcast. This is your host Z, fan of no team but a lover of basketball. Welcome to another episode of the show. Before we get started, I want to say Happy New Year to everybody out there, to all the listeners, to all the subscribers, to all the followers. Thank you for the support in 2018. Hope your new year was a safe and festive one, but it's a new year, new season, and we're going to get right into it. But first, before we get into tonight's show, want to let you know that the Patreon page is set up under the Off The Glass podcast. So go over there and pledge your support. Any amount of money definitely be greatly appreciated. And if Patreon is not your thing, I also have the cash app under ZRamy33. So support your boy. All proceeds will be going to promotional use for the podcast as we continue to grow, promote, and build this thing. So Thank you already for all the support. Let's get right into it. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN announced that Minnesota Timberwolves had decided to fire Tom Thibodeau and relieve him of not only his coaching duties, but his president of basketball operations duties. Now, those that have been plugged into the situation, your insiders kind of figured that this was coming. Uh, me, personally, I thought they would at least let him finish out this season if they didn't do it up to this point and then cut ties and get a fresh start going into next season before the NBA draft. But that was not the case. They decided to let him go, and I will say the timing was weird. I mean, who gets fired after you just had a 22-point win. I mean, that's like I've seen people cracking jokes. That's like Craig getting fired on Friday on his day off. But uh, nevertheless, Fibodeau was relieved of his duties. Um, the GM, um, I want to say his last name is Layden. His first name escapes me right now. As of right now, his job is safe. He's going to keep his duties. But I'd be surprised that um, he lasts going into next season. So, But, you know, at the end of the day, we kind of all saw this coming if we were – just being honest, I'm not going to cry too much for Fibido. You know, he has signed a, a big-time deal. He has $24 million left on that deal, so they're definitely going to have to pay him out. Some of the early candidates, I couldn't believe this, but it makes sense. This is what they like to do. Fred Hoiberg is the leading candidate, and again, I've talked about Fred Hoiberg extensively when I cover the Chicago Bulls, and I'm not saying he's not a good coach, really don't know, but I always find this fascinating interesting how you can get fired from another job and then be the leading candidate right away for another one. And that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a second chance. But my goodness, can we give somebody else a shot? He just got fired. 
So obviously he wasn't successful at his last place, regardless of what the situation is, to be rewarded with another job that quickly. So you're going to get another check and get paid from the Bulls. Don't really agree with that, but we'll see. Um, it was good to see, though, that Monty Williams um, is, is one of the candidates as well. And if you're familiar with the name, he was the one who was coaching at the time for, I want to say, uh, he was on Oklahoma City's bench. And he tragically lost his wife in a bad car accident, and he was kind of out the game for a little bit. And he spent some time in the San Antonio organization in the front office. And this season, he decided to come back to coaching. And he's one of the assistant coaches on Brett Brown's staff there in Philadelphia. And then last but not least, I saw it as a kind of a rumor out there. They also looking at possibly Chauncey Billups. Now, this is the first time I heard Chauncey, me personally, being connected to a coaching position, everything with him up to this point has all been front office wanting to run a team either as a president or a GM. So just kind of stay tuned for that. But real quick, you know, a lot of controversy in the Fibido era, a um, lot of different kind of mixed feelings about it. Uh, his overall record, he finished 96 and 107 in three seasons. Um, they did make the playoffs last year, so they did do that. And what really was the beginning of the end was, of course, no other than the Jimmy Butler situation that came out, I mean, just days before training camp about wanting to be traded and how he wasn't going to report and he didn't want to play for the Timberwolves anymore. And I, I thought the way the Timberwolves organization, it was rumors of Fibido possibly hanging up on people, they're not communicating with each other, just a big dysfunctional situation there. And I mean, Minnesota, let's just be honest, I've covered this in length, has always been a dysfunctional franchise. If you're a follower of NBA, I'm not telling you nothing you don't already know. I mean, they famously passed on um, Steph Curry and took Johnny Flynn and uh, Ricky Rubio. So, you know, we're not talking about anything earth shattering and new when it comes to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but... Um, the way they handled that was just messy. Um, it was a big, dark cloud that lingered over the team until they finally was able to trade Jimmy Butler over to the Philadelphia 76ers. But when you look at uh, Fibido's tenure, if he wants to coach again, he's going to have to finally learn from his mistakes and embrace this new form of the NBA. I mean, he was still running his players into the ground, Butler, uh, Gibson, because he had, you know, recreated the Chicago Bulls over there, even bringing in Dang this year. But a lot of his top players, Wiggins, a lot of high minutes, um, not a lot of rest, doing the same things that he did in Chicago that he was criticized for. And the funny thing is, it's interesting, though, when people, you know, lose their jobs and, you know, they go on these tours where they hear they're, you know, they're going to this team's practice or they're attending this training camp. You know, he was at the Sloan analytics conference at MIT and you know he's supposedly going to take this new approach to different things and embrace analytics and embrace numbers and it was a lot of the same old Fibido. we didn't see any change in that um, he didn't play his young players didn't develop any players and I was curious I just went back and looked at his draft record terrible draft record 2016 he drafts Chris Dunn now Hindsight is always 2020, so I'm not going to say he would have known or the organization had the type of personnel department in place to foresee some things. But just so out of curiosity, this was who else was in that draft. Jamal Murray was right there, who's playing well in Denver. Karis LeVert, even though he had the injury, was playing well for Brooklyn. I get Karis LeVert. Um, a lot of people was high on him, but was kind of scared off with the injury history he had at Michigan. So I get that. But 
You also had Malachi Richardson, very solid player from Miami. Pascal Siakam was in that draft. And the Spurs point guard who's out this year with the knee injury, DeWante Murray, bright, bright future, a lot of bright future in all of those guys I just named. So that's that could have been in Minnesota. We fast forward to 2017. They had one pick. They, of course, took Laurie Marketing and immediately traded him to Chicago. This was the Jimmy Butler trade. They sent Zach Levine and Chris Dunn to Chicago for Jimmy Butler. So you look and fast forward. Butler's then traded to Philly for Robert Covington and Dario Sarge. So the Jimmy Butler trade at the end of the day got you a nice role player, defensive wing specialist in Covington, a very nice, solid player in Sarge. So really didn't get anything out of any of those draft picks. 2017 draft, I mean, just some more names. Just out of, you know, I was just curious just to see. Donovan Mitchell, of course, was in that draft. They could have got OG Ananobi, who's playing for Toronto, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart in L.A., and Bam out of Bayou in Miami, just to name a few, were some of the people who were available. So, you know, Thibodeau, I think, again, is just a product of, of, of the old school NBA. He's an NBA lifer. I'm not sure, you know, as a Tiger, is he going to be able to change his, his stripes? I think sometimes some people are just destined for certain roles. And to be quite honest, he might be better served and better suited as an assistant coach, as a defensive specialist, because even in defense, in you know, what he was known for in Minnesota, which was defense. And his defense, I looked at the numbers again. The first year they were near the bottom, they were 27th. Last year they were near the bottom and it was 27. It was amazing that they made the playoffs that far down at the, de- you know, ranked in defensive um, rating. This year they were a little bit better. They were 17th. Um, that was mainly due to the addition of Covington, oddly or not, because Jimmy Butler is known as one of the better wing defenders in the league, and he, even he couldn't carry that defense. So I find it interesting how you switch out Butler, and immediately the defense got better. And part of it was, again, Towns and Butler did not gel well, or Wiggins. You know, Thibodeau could not get that relationship mended. You know, Jimmy was his guy from Chicago. Jimmy was who, you know, uh, Butler kind of – you know, earned his bones with, you know, playing in uh, Chicago. He was drafted, of course, at the end of the first round. He was a nobody. I mean, fascinating story. He was able to work hard and become an all-NBA, multi-all-star type performer. And um, so, of course, Thibodeau was going to be more beholden to Butler than Towns, even though Towns and Wiggins were the future, you know, especially Wiggins because they paid him all that money now. I don't necessarily agree with that, but when you pay him the kind of salary that they're paying him, he is the future. And, you know, Mike Fratello, you know, the czar, the telestrator last night, made a great point on NBA TV when he was talking about do uh, one of the, the panelists asked him a question, do, does the style that Thibodeau brings, is it conducive to today's NBA? And Fratello made a great point. He said a lot of these coaches, they 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 preach defense, they they believe in structure. They believe in work ethic, all that kind of stuff. They demand things from their players. They have hard practices, but their temperament and their personality is different. Thibodeau is very introverted. You know, f- classic stories of him locking himself in his office and studying tape. He's not a real people's person. He can be seen at times as kind of a malcontent, somebody that's not relatable. And this is just what I'm going off hearing. I've never met the man, so I don't know, but. He made a great point how some of these other coaches, Brad Stevens demands things out of his players, Quinn Snyder in Utah, Eric Spolster in Miami, 
Steve Kerr and Golden State, but it's the fact that these guys are relatable, they're approachable, and the players feel like that they have their respect and they have their best interests. I don't know if they ever trusted Thibodeau like that in um, Minnesota. And the fact that some games – he was constantly yelling the whole game. Like you could famously hear him on the sideline, ice, ice, Andrew, ice, ice, just calling for ice the whole game. And it's like some point as a player, as a professional, like, man, shut up. Sit down. I don't need you yelling at me every play. And I think that kind of stuff matters because, again, this is a different type of NBA. This is a different generation for better or for worse. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have to embrace it. So I don't know. I wouldn't give Fibodeau another head coaching job. I would at least have him as an assistant. I feel like he needs to go back and kind of revamp his whole defensive philosophy because the league has caught up to his ice defense, which revolutionized the basketball game. Definitely got to give him credit on how you defend the pick and roll. And for those listening, you might not be familiar with ice. It's as simple as if you have a big to guard screen and roll and we'll put him on the wing. So we'll say on the right side on the court, free throw line extended, if you could picture that. So instead of the guard trying to fight over the top of the screen and the, either the big guy showing off his guy to stop the ball handler from coming off, either with a hard hedge, we call it, so showing and getting back to his man, which is the roll guy, or trapping it, the big man will actually step out high already and the guard will just cut off that sideline. So basically, the the I'm sorry, I'm saying it backwards. The guard will be at the top not allowing the point guard to even use the pick. And then the big would be on the wing side, kind of making the point guard have to make the decision on offense to just come away from the pick, not even use it. But the NBA, like everything else, they caught up. They started slipping the big man and then putting the big man at the high post and becoming a playmaker. So if you have teams like Nikolio Jokic, who I'll talk about later, um, who's a great passing big man, Draymond Green, who's another great passing big man, big man, Marcus Saul. Um, who else makes good reads? Even somebody like a Nene, they just popped in my head um, from that high post, Al Horford in Boston. So they were able to make these reads, and you were getting three on twos at the basket, so it wasn't as effective as it once was when they used to overload that strong side, and they were, the team's now spacing you out so much where the ice defense was pretty much rendered ineffective. You see it. But now, of course, in the new NBA, switching is in vogue. So, you know, Thibodeau, I think he, you know, should get remembered for his time in Chicago. Those great teams that was, of course, on track to do great things before derailed by the the um, the Derrick Rose injury. But it is what it is. You know, I don't think he handled that situation. And sometimes in life, the type of person you are and if you're a people's person now and the type of relationships, how you interact with people matter. And I think in this case, it was a jail of personalities that didn't fit for an organization that's already dysfunctional. Also, too, thank God for this. Thank God. Now we can finally see the end of the coach slash president of basketball operations position. Fibodo was the last one that had this position. Stan Van Gundy was just fired from Detroit with that position prior to this season. And of course, Doc Rivers was smart. Give him credit. He relinquished that position and was able to hold on to his head coaching position and has the Clippers actually playing fabulous basketball this season. So, again, I don't see how this was a good idea to begin with. If you want to be a successful coach in the NBA, you're talking about 82 games, traveling. You got to scout, put scouting reports together, 
uh, practices, all these kind of things. And then you're asked to to weigh in on personnel decisions, the cap, uh, what's the future of the franchise. And a lot of times the future of the franchise wasn't always in the best interest. So meaning the coach will sometimes make decisions based on what would be best for their job. And sometimes a coach will fall in love with a player and look at it from a different lens than a GM or the president would. That's why the more successful organizations work hand in hand. You let the front office guys do their job and you let the coach do their job. Again, we can go down the list. Golden State. Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, Joe Lake of the ownership there in Golden State, San Antonio, famously R.C. Buford. I don't even know their owner off the top of my head, the Spurs, because he stays out of their business. But R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich's relationship, Quinn Snyder in Utah, Miami, Eric Spolster, Pat Riley, and, you know, kind of doing things the heat way. Boston, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge and his staff. See, these are successful blueprints this is how you run a franchise because if anything you want to be aligned culturally on the same thing you want to have the same core values when it comes to picking players to come to your team to contribute but you want to have different perspectives so you see things in different lenses if you have one person that's picking the talent and coaching the talent it's just not going to work and it never has and it never will so hopefully we can kind of put that to bed put that to rest uh no more coach slash president of basketball operations you hear me nba let's keep that going so moving on at this point of the season i wanted to talk about the mvp race didn't necessarily want to rank them i just wanted to look at 10 candidates this year and just look at who's really been playing well and my list in no particular order so this is not how i ranked them is Giannis, james harden LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. So a lot of guys having great seasons this year. For example, Paul George is having a career year. Steph Curry was on fire, but then he had the injury, so he doesn't have some of the games played. Anthony Davis is consistently putting up great numbers in New Orleans on a very, you know, mediocre team. It's almost starting to look like empty stats. Kevin Durant was on fire at one point, but he's still putting up nice, solid numbers. Of course, people think him and Steph canceled Ke- uh, each other out. And to be honest with you, Kevin Durant was my pick for MVP coming into the season. And, you know, you might say, really? And I was like, yeah, because I felt like, I really feel like this is his last time last year in Golden State. He had a lot to prove. He plays with a chip on his shoulder, so why not go out with a bang, get you an MVP, a championship, and possibly your third straight finals MVP. So I thought he would be motivated by that, which would definitely really cement his legacy as one of the best small fours in history, which, I mean, he's going to go down as that anyway, but it doesn't help hurt to add more hardware, you know, to the awards chest. Hold on one second. Sip on my water. And we're back. So we're going to look at the stats here real quick. Giannis right now, he has Milwaukee in uh, second place in the East. He's currently averaging 26 points, 12.6 rebounds, 6 assists. In his last 10 games, he's at 26 points, 11.3 rebounds, 6.3 assists. Incredibly, he's shooting 60% from the field, and the team is 8-2 and two in his last 10 games with wins over Toronto and Boston. Giannis has just been out of sight, been fabulous. The fact that the man can't shoot doesn't matter. He's really excelled 
in Coach Bud's offense. Can't state that enough. He finally, finally has space to occupy, I mean, to work with. They surrounded him with shooters. He has incredible footwork. He's just posting up guys. I mean, a lot of nights it just looks like he's playing on a Nerf hoop the way he's been dunking on guys all season with the left hand, the right hand. So, I mean, obviously he's one of the leading candidates for MVP right now with his strong play. So it's going to remain – it's going to be interesting to see how they finish out. I believe Milwaukee is for real in the uh, regular season. Not quite sure if they have enough in the in the postseason. I don't know if they have enough shooting. I don't trust Eric Bledsoe. You know, I was watching them play the other night against Toronto. Their best lineup was actually when Bledsoe was off the court. I want to say it was Brogdon, George Hill, Middleton, and they went between Illa Sova, I want to say, and Snail a little bit with Giannis playing that small ball five. And, I mean, that was, to me, their best lineup. And you can say what you want about George Hill. I've always – I said this on the one podcast when he was at Cleveland last year. I don't necessarily think that he's a championship-level point guard. I mean, you have guys in the NBA, you know, it's levels to this. It's levels to this. Guys who are that championship-level point guard. So your Steph Curry's, your Kyrie, your Kyrie Irvin's, your – your Chris Pauls and his primes, the James Hardens, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have guys that can get you to the playoffs. And I'll put George Hill in that conversation. He's a solid pro. He can lead your team to the playoffs, but he's not going to necessarily take you and be that leader at the highest level. So I don't know if Milwaukee's going to have enough. I think they're going to finish well in the regular season. They're going to either probably have that one, more than likely that two seed in the East which means they're going to be in great shot having home court through most of the playoffs this season. So Giannis is definitely out the gates fast. He's one of the early favorites to win his first award. And, you know, I personally feel like he's a year away, but, you know, things can change. It's a long season, so we just have to stay tuned and monitor that situation. Up next is James Harden, the step-back king. I call him the unique playmaker slash bucket getter. I mean, it's like he's just completely on his own, just completely revolutionizing the game this year. I looked. In his last 10 games, by himself, he's attempting over 16 threes and making seven. I mean, the stats are just incredible. The last 10 games, he's averaging 40 points, six assists, and I mean, six rebounds, excuse me, and nine assists. His season averages is 33 five rebounds, 8.5 assists. He's basically saved their season, man, because with the mellow situation not working out, a reason about Mute leaving, the defense falling off, not enough offense. Chris Paul looks like he's on the downside already this year, and that looks like that's going to be a bad contract. Eric Gordon got off to the slow start because he was hurt in and out of the lineup at the beginning of the season. Capella didn't look in shape, didn't look ready to play, but now he's rounded in the form. And Harden just said, you know what, I'm just going to put the team on my back and he's going to make it happen. They're 8-2 in their last 10. They've beaten Golden State in a thriller. If you did not watch that game last Thursday, shame on you. They beat Golden State. They beat Boston, OKC, and the San Antonio Spurs, who quietly, and I would never bet against Greg Popovich. So if you listen to my pop, my podcast, Pop, I apologize. You got these guys in the sixth seed right now. He just lost, uh, the, came off the streak, Harden, that is, when he had five straight games of 40 points, and he only missed it against Portland. They lost the other night to Portland. He had 38, so he only missed it by two points. But I think he's the clear favorite right now. He's kind of, as they say, took the bull by the horns and ran with it. Um, 
His numbers are all on pace. I wrote a blog post on it. Let me pull it up real quick. His numbers are basically almost identical to last season. He was averaging 30 points, 5.4 rebounds, 8.8 assists last season. As I stated, the points are up. He's at 32.7 when I wrote the article. Let me see what I say he is now. He's at 33.7, which is leading the league in scoring. He's at 5.5 assists, I mean rebounds, and he's at 8.3 assists. So the numbers are almost the same. The shooting percentage is the same. The thing you got to question is, is he going to be able to keep this up at a high pace? You know, what's going to come down with James Harden is I think if he keeps these stats up, obviously, and the Rockets are able to get to, like, the third seed, to me he should be your back-to-back MVP winner hands down. Um, Is he going to have enough in the tank when it gets time to the playoffs? We don't know. Um, that's been his biggest criticism, how he kind of runs out of gas. But, you know, looking at it this year and even last, not even last year, but even this year mainly, it really wouldn't be his fault because he had to do all the heavy lifting just to get the Rockets to that point. So we'll just have to see what happens. Um, they could use some offense, hopefully add another player. You know, today was the last day to sign and guarantee people's contracts for the rest of the season. So it might be a veteran, too, that maybe the Rockets can pick up off waivers. The next person, of course, is going to be LeBron James, who before the injury was right there as one of the favorites with um, James Harden. I'm going to turn it into conspiracy, Zach, real quick. Do we really think LeBron's hurt or did he kind of just want to rest? Just throwing it out there. I'm not saying I believe it. Just throwing it out there, you know, just having a little fun with it. But, no, since he's went out, before he went out, he was averaging 27 points, 8.3 rebounds, 7 assists. He was actually playing his lowest career um, number in minutes. He was about 34.6 a game. And currently, because they've been losing, um, they're eighth in the West. So they said that he didn't travel on this last uh, road trip that they were on and that he was going to be reevaluated. But now the rumors and the speculation is going around. Now that Thibodeau lost his job, is Luke Walton next? They keep saying that Luke Walton is safe, and it would be a shame if they fired him because I really don't feel like it's his issue again. I mean, if you're saying things after the game that you need your young players like Ingram and Ball to play harder, then, then that's a problem. And real quick, I know we're talking about LeBron, but I wanted to kind of make a comment about Alonzo Ball. I'm high on Alonzo Ball still. I think he's a great player, but I have to ask an honest question. Would we be as hard as he on him if his dad wasn't who his dad was? Which, to his credit, you could tell the Lakers, from what I heard, paid him off to go away. Like, they actually gave him some money so he wouldn't be around this year. But I really believe that he wouldn't not be nowhere near heavily criticized and scrutinized as he is if um, his dad wasn't doing the things that he did. So um, we're going to kind of watch this LeBron season. But I think this injury, because the way James Harden, even Giannis, and I'm going to get to Kawhi in a minute, have been playing consistently all season. I think LeBron's injury might have counted him out out of possibly winning the MVP this year unless he's able to come back, do some superhuman things that he's known and capable of doing and get the Lakers all the way to that third and fourth seed. It's going to take that. To me, I think it's going to take that third seed to really get the uh, to be considered seriously for the MVP. Moving right along, I had Jokic on here. And even though the numbers aren't stellar, he's at 18.8 assists, 10 rebounds, 7.5 assists. Denver is currently in first in the West, ladies and gentlemen. They're 8-2 in their last 10. And what's been impressive is they've been able to do this with the injuries they've been having. Paul Millsap is still out with a broken foot. Gary Harris has missed time with the hip. Will Barton has been out over a month with an abdominal injury. And for them to keep the team, to keep this thing going, is a credit to Jokic. He's by far the best passing big man. If you haven't watched Denver play, 
as somebody like me who loved to pass the ball, it's such a joy to watch him play. The way they initiate offense through him at that mid to high post, he could shoot the three. Uh, the defense has been much better this year. He's still not a great defender, but overall their defense as a team has been better. They're, they're much more sound, much more disciplined. And like I said, they're currently ahead of the Gold State Warriors. So this thing is going to be for real. I don't know if he's going to have the stats, though, to get to win an MVP, but he's definitely playing MVP-type basketball, so I had to give him some consideration. Moving on to Kawhi Leonard. they currently He's currently averaging 27 points, 7.9 rebounds, 3 assists. He has Toronto. He's led them in scoring and everything, like I just said. Kyle Lowry's actually leading them in assists. He just came back the other night, so that's a good sign because they were actually um, – they've lost some games – um, they six and four in their last ten. Um, Leonard, Litter, uh, excuse me, Leonard, not Lillard, uh, was missed some time. You know he doesn't play on back to backs. They want to kind of rest them. Um, but they had the best record in the league, the number one record in the East at thirty and twelve. So they're going to be a serious contender. The question is going to be, can they get past? Boston, can they finally exercise those playoff demons, which is mainly, if we're honest, LeBron. They just couldn't beat LeBron. And now that LeBron's gone, I think they'll be fine this playoffs. So, again, if I was to rank it right now, I think you got Harden, Giannis, and Kawhi right there battling out for the top three MVP positions right there. So, Kawhi, because they have the best record, if he keeps the stats up, he has a really, really good shot to win his first MVP. And then the question is, if you win your first MVP – and you lead the Raptors to the finals, and if the finals are competitive, how do you walk away from that? But, again, we don't always know. We don't know Kawhi's agenda. Very few people know Kawhi. Uh, so we have to see how that all plays out. But he's definitely on pace to possibly win his first MVP that will go along with his finals MVP. Next up is Paul George of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's having a career year. This is his best year by far. I guess we can say now he's officially back from the gruesome leg injury he suffered back in the summer of 2014 when he broke his leg in that inner squad Team USA scrimmage. He's averaging 26 points, eight rebounds, four assists. The last uh, 10 games, they're six and four, but they're third in the West. They're 25 and 14 overall. He's upped everything except for assists went down a little bit, but now the last 10 games, he's at 32 points. 8.5 rebounds and 3.2 assists. And what's been key to George's success, you got to give him some credit, is Russell Westbrook. He's been deferring to George. He's been letting George close games. He's been letting them be their score. He's kind of been picking his spots, which I think is smart because Westbrook hasn't shot the ball from the field well this year. And I always said, you know, he needs to learn how to rely on his other teammates. His usage rate is down to 30 percent, which is the lowest it's been since like 2009. And um, Paul George has been solid on defense. They've been playing great overall team defense. They lost the other night against the, uh, the Wizards. They Defense wasn't sharp, but, you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with against Golden State. I just don't know if they have enough offense to get past uh, Golden State, even with Paul George's sensational play. So had to give Paul George some love. He's been playing great basketball. I got a blog post up on the Off the Glass podcast website dealing with that. Go ahead and check that out. Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, I'm going to kind of combine real quick. Steph Curry is averaging 29, 5, and 5. Durant is at 28, 7, and 6. 
They're six and four in their last 10. They're second currently in the West. I don't know if they're going to have the stats to really get there. Again, I thought Durant had a shot. Curry definitely had a shot, but he's missed time since he went out with the, uh, I want to say he had either a domino strain or a growing injury, but he's missed time. So I think that kind of took him out of the running, but they both are having sensational seasons like they always do. Next up, Anthony Davis of the New Orleans Pelicans. With all the you know the news swirling around, it's just they think it's a far gone conclusion that he's going to go to L.A. He keeps shooting it down, and good for him. In his last ten, he's averaging thirty-one, sixteen, three, and five. <sighs> My goodness! Overall, he's at twenty-eight point five points, thirteen point three rebounds, four point four assists. The Pelicans, oddly enough, they started out strong. They was in the playoff position. Recently, they fell out. You know, they're three and seven, eighteen and twenty-two overall. They just don't have a good team once you get past Davis and Drew Holiday. Uh, uh, Nicolo uh, Miritich has missed time. Who knew we had been counting on Alfred Payton? He's missed time. Julius Randle has been okay, but once you get past uh, Davis, Holiday, and Randle, they really don't have much else. Etwan Morris kind of struggled with his shot a little bit this season. So not a very good team. So unfortunately, Davis is going to definitely have the stats. He's going to be all NBA. He's going to be all-star. But he's not going to have the record to get to be an MVP. And last but not least, got to give some love to Joel Embiid. You know, he's bringing back the center position, playing dominant basketball down there on the block. He's averaging 28, 14, and 3 in his last 10. And for the season, he's at 26 points, 13.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists. They currently sit at fourth in the East at 26 and 14. And they are 6 and 4 in their last 10. And Bede has been sensational. You know, he kind of came out that he was a little frustrated with his role since Butler got there, but he's still been maintaining his high play. And this is a situation in Philly that we're going to have to watch long term. You know, I wrote a blog post on it because most recently it came out that Jimmy Butler was at it again, that he actually got into the face of Brett Brown and was questioning some things on offense, didn't feel like they was running enough pick and roll a few weeks before that. Uh, B was talking about his role in the team, felt like he was running too much pick and roll and he was too far away from the basket. And you haven't heard anything from Ben Simmons. Now, it's been documented that him and Embiid, they don't necessarily have an issue, but they're not like the best of friends. So... It's going to be interesting to see how this team plays out. I don't think Embiid obviously wins the MVP, but he's definitely had an MVP-type season. Um, going forward, his future is going to really depend on him staying healthy, him getting in better condition, and what kind of team he has around him because I find it hard to believe that Butler doesn't resign there. They had to be part of the deal when they trade for him. But, hey, Butler might say, I don't like this situation, I'm out. But I think ultimately what's going to happen if Butler really forces his hand and say he doesn't like playing for Brett Brown, they're going to probably fire Brett Brown. Butler resigns and be your size. Then the question is, what does Ben Simmons do? So, you know, all those are kind of storylines we're going to have to watch, but had to give Joel Embiid in his third season, his first season without a minutes restriction. And he's been playing well. The numbers are there. It backs it up. He's been playing dominant ball inside on the defensive end as well as the offensive end. So, we're going to pause real quick, take a quick break. And on the other side of the break, we're going to bring you the next installment on Speak On It. So stay tuned. More to come from the Off the Glass podcast. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the Off the Glass Podcast. It's your host Z. Thanks for listening to, with me today. And on the, the latest edition of Speak on It, I'm going to talk about the controversy, this GOAT debate. Who's the greatest of all time? And I had to think about it because I wrote a blog post on this as well. We didn't, I don't remember having these debates like this. You know, and nowadays you usually fall within two camps, either the Michael Jordan camp or the LeBron James camp. And I said I was going to use this on Instagram. Shout out to all those who participated in the poll. I greatly appreciate it. Jordan won by 83% of the vote. And basically what I noticed, it was everybody who was around my age, I'm in my late 30s, picked Jordan and a couple of the young guys picked LeBron. And that's the point of this whole argument. I never heard anybody, especially a great player, say that they're the GOAT. So for LeBron to say that, first of all, I was really surprised. I mean, LeBron has definitely been on his high horse, man. Shout out to him. He's been moving like a boss. He's been commenting like a boss, saying different boss things, even though I was hard on him on the last podcast with the apology. But, you know, for him to say this is like a bold statement, man. I was really surprised he said it. And I couldn't have disagreed more. Now, for me personally, if I had to pick a great player, for me, depending on what day you ask me. I can go with Michael Jordan or I can go with the person who always gets overlooking these arguments. And that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Jabbar has six MVPs, ladies and gentlemen, six championships. And he dominated every player at every level. High school, college, he won three straight national championships. The only reason he didn't win four is because freshmen couldn't play varsity. They banned dunking in college when Jabbar was there. Super dominant player. How can we not recognize him? Bill Russell, 11 championships, 10 as a player, one as a coach. He was the first African-American coach to win an NBA championship. What about Magic Johnson? Revolutionized the point guard position. Uh, three Three league MVPs, five championships. What about Tim Duncan? Arguably the best power forward ever. What about Shaquille O'Neal? One of the most dominant forces ever. What about Will Chamberlain, who holds 68 records by himself, including a 100-point game? And that season, he averaged over 50 points and 26 rebounds while playing in every single game and playing all 48 minutes. I mean, these are the things of legend. So basically, I started changing my viewpoint on this because I used to argue Jordan up and down. Jordan's the greatest. Jordan's the greatest. And one of the reasons, though, I will say this, that I argue Jordan, and I use this comparison all the time, when you compare the greats, nine times out of ten, they're all going to have the accolades, the awards, the championships, the statistics. To me, what separates them is the things like LeBron not showing up for the rest of a Boston series because of something going on off the court rumor to be involving his mother. We don't know what happened in 2011 during the Dallas series when he was a no-show in the finals. Jordan has none of that on his blemishes. None of that. Matter of fact, God bless YouTube. If you go on YouTube, go watch the 93 finals when he almost averaged a a triple-double, including 41 points. Go watch that game six game where he literally scores every bucket in the fourth quarter except for John Paxson's go-ahead three. And then when you're watching him doing this, you could just tell whatever he had to do, he was not going to allow them to lose. And you don't see that from LeBron like that all the time. It's not that he hasn't done it, just not all the time. Kobe, I always will bring this up with Kobe, when in that Phoenix series, Game 7, when the rumor was he purposely did not shoot, and they get blown out in Game 7. Again, Jordan does not have these kind of blemishes on his record. Magic doesn't have these kind of blemishes on his record. Jabbar, 
even somebody like Larry Bird. And as much as it hurted me to put LeBron over Larry Bird, Larry Bird was injured his last like five years of his career. So at some point, LeBron's longevity just kind of surpassed Bird. But to be honest with you, in a big game, I'm probably taking Larry Legend over LeBron James. I say all this to say this. My wife, and I give her credit, she changed my perspective on this. She said, I never understood this argument because people can't control when they're born. She said, did you dominate when you played? That's all we have to go off of because we don't know who would do what in what era. And I look back and I say, you know what, babe? You are 100% right. And that's how I look at this, man. At the end of the day, greatest of all time doesn't exist. Just did you dominate when you played, when you was born, since that's all you can control and will never know. We don't know what Russell or Wilt would have done because they didn't have private jets. Hell, Bill Russell was doing this in low-cut Converse and Chuck Taylors, getting 30 rebounds a game and all winning these championships. They didn't even have drawstrings on their on their shorts. They had belts. So you got to go back and look at some of this stuff, man, and just imagine if they had the kind of weight training, what we know about nutrition, the way they travel. I, I mean, a lot of these guys, if we're saying what makes a great player is certain intangibles that you have to possess, then why couldn't those guys bring that, those intangibles over into an era where people take better care of their body and you travel better and you eat better and et cetera? So maybe Wilt doesn't average 50 points, but I find it hard to believe he couldn't average 35 and 16. That's not a dominant season. I mean, it's something to think about, people. So just kind of wanted to give a different perspective, man. This is what we do over here with the at the podcast. So if this is your first listen, thank you for the listens. Make sure to go over to Spreaker.com. That's the whole spot site. Type in the Off The Glass Podcast. Become a follower of the show. Make sure to subscribe and download. If you listen on Apple, iTunes, we're there as well. iHeartRadio and, of course, Spotify. The website is www.theofftheglasspodcast.com. Go over there, check out the blogs. Make sure to like, comment, share. We appreciate all the support. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach at the off the off the glass. Zach at off the glass. Excuse me. You can find me on Instagram at Zach the off the glass podcast as well. Let's engage. I'm always on Twitter. I'm always on the ground. So I'll bring this episode to a close. Thanks for listening again. Happy New Year to everybody out there. This is your whole Z signing off. Be safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.